everyone here. Let's find our seats. We'll get right into it. I want to welcome everyone that's here, everyone that's online. We thank you for joining us uh, this morning. We're grateful for you here. Uh, today's a special day. Today happens to be my parents' 51st wedding anniversary. Wow. 51 years married. I think that's pretty, pretty an amazing accomplishment. Yesterday, Carrie and I celebrated our 28th uh, year. Uh, we were talking yesterday, we, went, we were talking, man, 28 years, so crazy, you know, this, this is the year we're going to be grandparents, and uh, so we're excited about that, but 28 years, it seems like it's just kind of flown by, and it uh, seems like such a long time, and we're celebrating, wow, the longevity and all of that great stuff, and then the very next day, we get one-upped by my parents, you know, so 28, wow, that's so amazing, and the very next day, 51, and you're just like, man, all right, I got, I got a long way to go, so... Uh, we're grateful for you guys, your example to all of us uh, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your marriage. It's such a wonderful thing. Aren't you grateful for leaders that, that show us how to do it in the long haul? I tell you what, young, young, young people, think about this. One of the best things that you can do with your life, I got married at 19 years old, and a lot of people say, you're crazy. And I probably was to some degree, uh, but I'm so grateful that Carrie and I met as teenagers, fell in love, and decided, let's, let's serve the Lord together. Let's get married. Let's have a family. And we did it young. And, and I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't trade, looking back, I wouldn't trade that decision for anything. I think about my cousins. And uh, they're not watching this live stream more than likely, so I can talk about them. They're, 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 they're basically the same age I am, and they have a bunch of little kids running around. And they look at me, they're so jealous of, 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 what, of what we've been able to accomplish. And so I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't waste any time. And so I, I, love, I love it when I see young people getting married and starting families and starting their careers and getting out there and working hard. Let me tell you, if you do that, you're going to, let me tell you, the, the word of God is true, you're going to be blessed. You're just going to be blessed, and so praise the Lord for that. Let's get into it this morning. A couple quick announcements I want to run by you is that this Saturday is our community outreach. That's when we're going to be gathering together. You've heard us talking about it. Possibly you saw the bike that was kind of hanging from the rafters in the foyer when you walked in. Uh, that's one of two bicycles uh, that we're going to be giving away next Sunday. And, and how it's going to work is on Saturday, we're going to gather together here at the sanctuary. We're going to meet here at 4.30 because our, our outreach is going to begin in the neighborhoods at five. And uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be setting up a mobile bike ramp and going to be doing a BMX expo right there in the neighborhood. We're going to be setting up a barbecue. We're going to be cooking hot dogs and having snow cones and giving away water and soda uh, to everyone that's, that's in the neighborhood. We're going to share the love of Christ with people. We're going to invite them to church. They're going to see, they're going to get a free BMX show by our, our, our own resident uh, BMX pro, Adrian Harris. And uh, then we're going to invite them to church on Sunday, and we're going to give away a couple bikes to, to, to our guests. So we're just, we're, we're just kind of rolling the dice, and we're saying, God, would you, would you breathe on this? Would you, would you send us some people? And we believe that God's going to use this outreach so we can see people come to know the Lord. What do you say? And so this Saturday, let's meet here at 4.30. Somebody say 4.30. All right, say 4.30, everyone, 4.30. 4.30 in the afternoon, we're going to meet here. We're going to be on the streets at 5. Uh, we're going to have a great time. I, I promise you, you will have a great time. So, so if you can, join us this Saturday. Also coming up, you got, a, you got flyers last week. We actually had to reprint the flyers because there was an error. We, 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 we had something come up in our calendar that prohibits us from having the movie night on July 31st. So we've reprinted the flyers. You can get those this morning. And the new date for the movie night is August the 7th. We moved it one week later. Uh, and, and that kicks off our uh, At The Movies sermon series where every Sunday in the month of August we're gonna be taking feature films, uh, the message behind them, parallel, paralleling that message message with a spiritual message, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. And so uh, invite your family, invite your friends, neighbors, anybody, bring them with you during the month of August for a really, really exciting, exciting series. I think you'll really enjoy it. We're going we're gonna to make it really cool. We're going we're gonna to set it up kind of like a movie theater. There's going to be movie trailers. There's going to be movie announcements. There's going to be popcorn, all of that all month long. It's going to be a really, really good time. And so um, I'm looking forward to that. Also, mark your calendars. August the 20th is our our Elevate Beach Day, and uh, we're going to go out, in the, uh, all of us in number, we're going to go out to the beach, just have a great time of fellowship. Uh, there is a kite 
um, competition, who can make the greatest kite. And I've heard several people saying that they can do it. Um, we, got a, we, got, we got some Filipinos going enter, to enter a Filipino kite. And uh, somehow I heard that they kind of like, they, they, they attach something to the string and actually battle. Like they want to destroy other kites. So anyways, that's what I heard. Anyway, so, um, but if, you, if your family gets together, I'm telling you, Google kite making, Try to produce the best kite to take down the Elevate Ministries kite, and you can win a prize. There's going to be also other things going on that day, and it's going to be a lot of fun, especially at the end, sunset. We're going to worship the Lord together uh, just to kind of end that night. It's going to be a great, great time. So those are the things that are coming up in the calendar. Just wanted to make you aware of it. This morning, I'd like to invite up on the stage uh, Luis and April Campos. Would you guys come on up here real quick? Amen. Come on, let's give a big round of applause. Can we do that? Nice, loud one. All right. I want my wife and my parents also to come up. Um, we're very excited because this past week, April began on staff here at Elevate Ministries. Uh, yeah. And I know, I know she's been looking forward to that for a very long time, but so have we. And as you remember, at the beginning of the year, Vision Sunday, we talked about some of the things that we wanted to do as a congregation this year. Uh, we talked about missions work, that, that we wanted members of our congregation to experience missions. Well, last week, uh, I was in Mexico speaking at a conference there. Uh, uh, just a couple of weeks, Pastor Carl and a team are going to be going to Monterey, Mexico for another conference. In, in September, we've got a team of 16 of us going to Ghana, West Africa. And so we've seen that kind of come to pass. We also talked about remodeling the E-Kids facility. And as you know, that's been totally redone. Just, just, just amazing what's happening with our E-Kids. But a major part of our vision for the year was to add staff to our team because we really feel like God was putting things on our hearts that we wanted to accomplish, connecting people to people and people to their passion and to their purpose. And so we've been kind of just kind of lagging a little bit, waiting to ha have the staff to enable this process to work uh, the best that it possibly can. And uh, so we waited for April's uh, prior commitments to be done and uh, for her to have the ability to freely come on staff full time. And uh, she started this week. One of the things that, that, that I, I kind of set out in my life, one of the things that I wanted to do is I want to do stuff that matters with people I like. And I think that's why God created the church, so that we can do stuff that matters with people we like. And, and it's great to be a part of a, of, of a church like that, and it's great to be on a team like that. And so I wonder if, let's welcome April. She's going to share just briefly with us. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, I could not tell you, I've been anticipating this, but it exceeded my expectations, just like the song we just sang about, that's how our God is, right? He always exceeds our expectations, and I am looking forward to growth, to getting together with many of you. I mean, already I know so many of you, but being able to get together and see what's in your heart come out. That's what our church is all about, and we want that to come out and to be operating in unity in this body, and I'm looking forward to help facilitating that. So I'm, I'm just, I, I don't even know what to say because I'm just so excited. So anyways, that, that's it. I'll tell you what, we, as a st staff, pastoral staff, we are really, really um, being able to move forward. I, I really look for great things to happen. That's all for you. And so uh, today, uh, what we're going to do is lay hands on April and Luis. Uh, they are stepping into a role, a pastoral role here at church. And um, uh, don't get caught up. I've got to call them pastor or whatever. You call them whatever you want to call them. Amen. That, 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 that's not what matters. What matters is that they step into this role, family, life, pastors. Now, we talk about family. We're talking about, obviously, families within the church. But we're also talking about the family of God. And so what we're dealing with here uh, is an ordination service. And so maybe you could stand to your feet with me. And as we install this couple into this role of pastoral ministry, the Bible says lay hands suddenly on no one. So literally what that's meaning is that you don't want to uh, put into a place of authority people uh, that, that are not known, that are not, uh, have not served. And so this is a couple that have been with us for, oh, so many years. They've served here uh, hand in hand with us been such a blessing to not only us, but to so many of you. We know ministry comes to you. you, you it's not something that somebody gives you. It comes to you. 
And this couple, uh, you can watch it over and over again. People come to them for minister, ministerial guidance. And so uh, all we're doing today is laying hands on them to impart to them uh, the, the giftings to operate in this function. And so please, would you lay, stretch your hands forward as we lay hands on them. And so Father, today, in the name of Jesus, we lay hands on Luis, upon April, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the giftings that even now you impart to them to stand in that awesome place, that awesome position of ministry. God, as they step into a pastoral capacity, pastoral role, Father, they need your divine help, your guidance, your wisdom. Let it come forth in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we greet them onto the pastoral staff of Elevate Ministries. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together one last time. Amen. It's exciting. Exciting times. We're looking forward to great times in, in, together serving the Lord. And we, we, know that, we know that the future is bright. Somebody say amen. I want to minister this morning. If you'll open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. Uh, I want to minister a sermon I've entitled Believer's Battles. Believer's Battles. And I got in the shower this morning. And uh, I don't know what happened. I, this old song came to my mind, which happens a lot. Songs we used to sing in church. This song called Making War in the Heavenlies. Uh, Ron Cannoli, I think, was the, was the guy who sang that. Making War. I started singing it in the shower, and Carrie's like, my God, what are you singing? And, and uh, uh, I think you'll find out later what, how that jumped into my head. But, but uh, we're going to talk out of uh, excuse me, Exodus chapter 17. And it's the story of Israel, or God's people, uh, making war against the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites were the sworn enemy of God's people. And the Amalekites, what you'll find out about them is they don't fight fair. And here's the truth about the devil and the demonic wickedness, darkness, never fights fair. Never fights fair. These guys are ruthless and they're wicked. You can think about some of the stories that, that, that reference the Amalekites. One of them would be David and all of the men left the city. Uh, they went out on a mission. And while the men were gone from the city, the Amalekites came in, stole the women, stole the children, stole all their possessions, and then burned down the city. When David and the men came back, everything they knew was gone. That's, that's the kind of, of fighting that the Amalekites are doing. Think about even in Esther's time, the guy Haman who developed this plan, this strategic plan to, to kill off all of God's people. He was an Amalekite. That's who he was. And uh, we know, thank, thankfully, Esther was there and, and was available for such a time as this. And, and God prevailed in that particular time. But we see the Amalekites and their type of warfare for the very first time in Exodus chapter, uh, in, in Exodus, where they came up for the, the, the children of Israel or God's people had just crossed over from their, their, their 400 years of slavery in Egypt. So basically, they've just, they've just uh, are experiencing freedom for the first time. They've been on a very long journey. It's been arduous. And, and what the Bible says that the Amalekites came up from behind and began to kill off the stragglers that were kind of in the in, in kind of trailing behind. They fight from the back. They don't fight fair. And so in the story that we're reading, uh, Moses recognized this, this Amalekite army is, is, a, is, a, is an army that needs to be engaged. And so he tells Joshua, Joshua, I want you to assemble all of the, the warriors. I want you to assemble all of the men. And I want you to go down into the valley to, to, to wage war against the Amalekites. And then simultaneously, Moses gets Aaron and Hur, and the Bible says that they go up onto the mountaintop. He takes along with him the rod of the Lord, and, and he goes up on the mountain. Now, a lot of times you can read that story, and you think, well, Moses was the leader, and, and possibly they were trying to protect Moses, uh, put him up on the mountaintop so he doesn't have to engage in the, in the combat happening in the valley. But let me tell you something. Moses didn't go up on the mountain because it was safe. That's not the reason that he went there. He went up on the mountain because he understood the principle of kingdom warfare, that you can wear yourself out in the valley. 
You can wear yourself out in hand-to-hand combat if you don't understand that there's also a battle that happens in the heavenlies. There's a war in the heavenlies. There's a war up on the mountaintop. There's a battle on the ground, but there's also a battle that takes place in high places. Are you with me today? So you would know the story. Moses takes up there with, with Aaron and her, the rod of God, and the Bible tells the story that when Moses is able to hold up the rod of the Lord, you can kind of picture like this, holding up the rod of the Lord. As, as long as he was, he was in that posture, the, the Bible says that Israel would be defeating the Amalekites. And you can't help but notice he's got a posture of worship. How many times have you ever heard Bryn say, oh, come on, put your hands in the air? Why do we do that? It's a, it's a posture of worship. It's a sign of victory and knowing where our help comes from. And, and so there's Moses in, in that posture, but when his arms grew tired, they began to fall down, and, and as soon as the rod came down, all of a sudden the Amalekites would begin to prevail. Now, some of you would, be, would, be, would, would recognize this type of warfare because if, if Bryn's ever asked everyone in the church to raise their hands, it's one of the things I don't like when pastors do. Hey, everybody, put your hands in the air, okay? The problem with that is it's great for about 15 seconds, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, how long am I going to have? How many of you ever had that thought in your mind? How long do I have to keep my hands in the air? Well, that's kind of what was going, up with, going on with Moses is he's holding up, but his, his arms are tired, his hands are weary from maintaining that posture. And when he became weary, the spiritual warfare happening on, on the mountain, when, when, when he became tired up on the mountain in the battle in the heavenlies, now all of a sudden there's casualties piling up in the valley. Are you with me today? You, you can't help but notice that posture of worship. Worship is a tool that God's given us in the middle of a battle. It's the tool that we've been given. Worship is so important because it helps us to disconnect from the hand-to-hand combat, the war that's happening around us, and allows us to connect to a God that's seated on the throne. You know what I mean? We get out from under this, the battle that we're fighting, and all of a sudden, as you begin to worship, you're reassured that God is all-powerful. You, you understand that God is almighty, that God's not worried, he's not anxious, he, he's not pacing, hoping that somehow you can win. The Bible says that he's seated in heaven, and the earth is his footstool. He, he's just chilling. We're fighting, God is just, just chilling. So there's no better place to retreat from the battle than to worship. Come on, worship is so, so valuable. It's one of the greatest fortresses that you can run to. Matter of fact, Proverbs 18 says, the name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. There's a strong tower that we run to in God. Come on, when we come, I pray that when you come to the house of the Lord on Sundays, you come running in here. Because, because this, is the, this is the house of the Lord. It's a strong fortress. And when you get to the strong fortress, Bryn and the team, they begin to lift up the name of Jesus. That's the time when we begin to sing. And it reminds us about the greatness of our God. That's why I love, I love the Psalms. Because David, that's what he did. He, he recognized how powerful his God was, even in the midst of his own battles. That he discovered that God is his rock, that, that God is his fortress. How many of you discovered these things? That, that God is his shield. He, he discovered that God is his ever-present help in time of trouble. He, he worshiped God with that knowledge. And we know that David was a worshiper long before he was the warrior that, that we read about all throughout scripture. So in this story, Moses, he's up on the mountain. Aaron and Hur recognize what's happening, that he's weary from holding that posture. And so the Bible says that they seat him down on a rock, and there Aaron and Hur would lift up his hands all, so that he could hold them up to the going down of the sun. And the Bible says at the end of, of Numbers chapter 24 that the Lord brought about a, a great excuse me, Exodus chapter 17, that the Lord brought about a great victory for Joshua. And so he, you, you recognize Joshua is down there in the valley. He has no idea what's happening in the mountain. And so Joshua comes out of the valley. I'm sure he's feeling pretty good about himself. Like they've just whooped the Amalekites. I, they've just taken, they, 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 I'm sure he's feeling like, man, my, my, my amazing general skills allowed this victory to transpire, but really he had no idea that what was happening in the heavenlies was also playing out in the valley. And, And I think for us, many times we also have battles taking place in the valley. 
We have valleys that take place on our day to day. How many recognize, it seems like we're always in a fight. There's always some sort of, ba- some sort of battle that we're in. And many times, when we get in a, in, in a struggle in our current situation, our tendency is just to push harder. In the natural, it's just, it, it, we, we, just, we just tend to, like I'm stuck here, so I'm just gonna fight harder. And so we stress and we strive and, and we strain. But here's the thing we need to understand, stressing, striving, and straining will not establish the kingdom in our lives. And so there's something that we need to grab a hold of this morning is that there's a fight happening on the mountain in heavenly places that if you don't win in heavenly places, you'll never win in the valley of everyday struggle. Exodus 17 was a scripture that stood out to me during our Bible reading plan and I took note of it and I wrote it down. I wanted to think about it a little bit. And at the end of this battle where the Israelites defeated the Amalekites, the Bible says that Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner, for he said, look what, look, what, look what Moses declared, that the Lord has sworn that we will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And I was, that just, the, the, the whole story ends with this verse. And it just kind of, kind of bugged me. Like, they just got done defeating Amalek. They build an altar to celebrate this. And God speaks and says, Hey, I'm telling you the truth. I'm swearing to you right now that from generation to generation, you're going to constantly be fighting this battle. You're going to be constantly in this war. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And I think he was speaking from that moment in Exodus. He's speaking to us that in our lives, we're always going to have a battle a battle with wickedness, a battle with evil, a battle with darkness. We're gonna constantly be coming up against forces in warfare all all of our lives. And in this Christian life, you need to understand, you will never be not in a state of war. There'll never be a time when you're not in a battle of some kind. That's what I wanna talk about today. I wanna talk about the believer's battle. The reason that we have the warfare that we face is because God understands it's a kingdom principle that there's a necessity for adversity. There's a necessity to it. And I think a lot of times our prayers are kind of directed the wrong way because we just want the battle to be over. Right? We just want to make everything smooth, everything out. Want to make the battle just kind of go away, not not have that that going on. And we, we always hear people praying for the fight to let up. If I could just get this behind me. You'll hear people say, hey, can you pray for me? The devil's just, you know, really coming after me, tormenting me. And, and maybe, you, maybe in your life you've experienced breakthrough in a particular area only to have another struggle right after. If you know what I'm talking about. Battling in your mind, battling in your soul, battling with temptation, battling the forces of weakness, wickedness, arguing about this, struggling with that. And a lot of times we can think, what the heck is going on? Is this ever going to end? Well, let me tell you, uh, let me give you some b- somewhat bad news that the Lord has sworn that you're going to have war with Amalek or with wickedness from generation to generation. And that means if you're not in a battle right now, something's probably wrong. Did you hear that? Because God said it, he swore it. He said it's going to be part of our lives. And the reason that we're in constant warfare is because God is using that adversity to grow your life. He's using that adversity to develop you, to prepare you, to process you, to turn you into the person that God wants you to be. You think about about the heroes of the Bible, someone like King David. It was the adversity of the giant in the valley that allowed a shepherd boy to go into that fight and a king to come out of that fight. It was, it was that adversity. A king emerged because a giant was in the valley that needed to be defeated. Amen. We need not fear battle because we've been given the authority over the, the enemy. How many know that? Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 28, he says, He says, go therefore, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all these things, and I'm with you to the end of the age. So God says we can do all of these things, we can make a difference in the world, and it's all possible because of what Jesus says next. 
In verse 18, he says, all authority has been given to me. And we recognize that everything that Jesus has, has, has the authority that he has, it flows to us, his, his people today. And so he says, the authority has been granted to me, so I want you to go with it. I want you to go with that authority. In Luke 10, Jesus says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And what that scripture says to me today is that there's nothing in this world that Jesus doesn't give you the authority over. And that should make you very happy here today. There's not a fight that you can't win. There's not a struggle you can't overcome. You're gonna face these things, we shouldn't be surprised by these things, but you've been given the authority, he's given us the authority, but we have to establish that authority by the things that are replaced in our way, amen. The devil, we need to grab a hold of today, he's already been defeated, aren't you grateful for that? Can I hear somebody say amen today? The devil has already been defeated, God's already conquered every territory, but there's still gonna be a battle for the territory of your life. And the way you establish the authority that you've been given by God is by taking that territory. It's by marching into that territory. And when I take his authority, I'm able to conquer these areas of my life. And now, because I've conquered it, I have authority over it. That's how it works in your life. And that's why God is going to be constantly allowing different battles and struggles to be alive and at work in different areas of your life because he's working on certain areas of your flesh. He's working on different areas, different temptations, some of the appetites that your sinful uh, uh, um, human nature craves. He's working on some of your thought patterns because he's trying to get you to establish his authority. He's trying to establish his authority through you. And so in all of these areas of our lives, we need to understand Satan is defeated, but many times what happens is he goes uncontested. He's already been defeated. The victory is yours. You just have to fight. You have to exercise that authority and apply it to your life. And so what you need to realize today in this introduction to this message is that you, your life will be in a constant state of battle, but the battle you're in is against a defeated foe. You have authority. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. And the battle that's before you is sent to develop you into the person God's called you to be. Somebody say amen. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So I want to talk about three particular battles that every believer faces. And every one of you right now, at this moment, if you're a believer in Christ, you are fighting on one or more of these fronts. So we're going to talk about three different areas that you're fighting. And the first one is the battle above. The battle above. So in, in our text, Joshua, he's down fighting in the valley, and Moses... Is, is, is doing warfare above. He's keeping that rod extended. And one of the greatest battles that you will face, we're all gonna fight in the valley. We're all gonna have that hand-to-hand -hand combat where we're gonna have to fight, we're gonna have to struggle. But the question is this, can you worship in a time of warfare? Can you worship, can you honor, can you bless, can you magnify and praise the Lord when there's chaos in the valley? You know what I'm talking about. When all hell's breaking loose in your life, there's Moses. The battle's going on in the valley. Moses is, is, is maintaining that posture of worship. Whoever controls the heavenly realm controls the territory, controls what's happening in the valley. You see this in just regular warfare. Before we ever send in troops for in a particular struggle or, or contest against a, a nation, or if we're having a disagreement, if there's war between a nation, we don't just send in our ground troops to fight. We don't say, oh, you're, you know, we're, we're going to war, and we just send all of our ground troops, because if we do that, there's going to be mass casualties on the ground. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed on the ground. So guess what we do as the United States of America? We do what's called shock and awe, all right? And what do we, what's shock and awe? Shock and awe is we send in the air, we, we send in the Air Force. And we, we go in there, we're, we're, we're bombing airstrips, we're bombing ammunitions, we're bombing strongholds in key places, key locations, and then we send in the ground troops to clean it up. 
What's, what's, what's true in the natural is also true in, in the spiritual. Are you with me today? You and I cannot, cannot win wars against the devil in our own flesh in just hand-to-hand combat. We're not gonna defeat darkness in, 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 in just our own strength or just by trying harder or, or by our, our willpower because if we do that, we may, we may be able to, to get some headway but we'll end up burning out and quitting because there's a war in the heavenlies and the devil knows that whoever controls the airspace, whoever controls the heavenly realms, they're the ones that win the war. Have you noticed that the Bible doesn't say that Satan is the prince and the power of your family? It doesn't say that Satan is the prince and the power of your school, the prince and the power of your workplace. That's not what scripture says. The Bible says that he's the prince and the power of the air, of the air, Ephesians 6, 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness, and where are they at? In heavenly places. In heavenly, the battle is always who's in control of the heavenly realms. There's something about high places. You'll notice it all throughout scripture. If you're reading through the the kings in scripture, maybe you're reading through 2 Kings, and the Bible just begins to list off all these different kings that reigned over Israel for a certain amount of time, and some of them did evil in the sight of the Lord, and some of them did right in the sight of the Lord. But the way they were regarded as successful was whether or not they were able to take down the high places. And so you'll read about a king, and it'll say this, this king did right in the sight of the Lord. This, this king did A, B, and C. He, 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 he tore down the, the altars of Baal. He, he got rid of the cult prostitutes. He, he stopped the child's sacrifice to Moloch. But then it will make a statement like this. However, he, he didn't deal with the high places. And so the problem is this. If you don't deal with the high places, if you don't battle in the heavenly, you can make all kinds of changes to your surroundings. You can fix all kinds of things personally in the the valley, but until you deal with the high places, all of those things are just gonna come back. They're gonna gonna become a stronghold again. They'll be established again once in your life. You have to learn to fight in the heavenlies. In the heavenlies, the Bible tells us whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth, it'll be released in heaven. which tells me that whatever I don't bind remains bound. In other words, if I don't fight that fight, if, I don't, if, I don't, if, I don't, if I'm just working it out in my hand-to-hand, in my flesh, I can do some damage, but it will always come back. I've got to, I've got to finish it off in the heavenly realm. I've got to bind it on earth, and then it's bound in heaven. I've got to loose it on earth, and then it's loosed in heaven. You see, Satan's not afraid of a church with great marketing or slick preaching. Satan's not afraid of a church that has soy lattes in the cafe, you know, really, 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 you know, you know celebrity pastors, all that, all that stuff. But he is afraid of a church that's filled with the Spirit of God, that understands their authority, that recognizes there's a battle that needs to take place in the spiritual, and yes, there's a battle happening in your marriage and in your job and at your school, but the victory's not won in any of those locations. It's won in the heavenlies. It's done, it's warfare that's done spiritually. That's why we're a church that understands the power of worship. We're a church that understands the power of prayer. We're we're a church that has people that are intercessors that when they hear about a problem, they don't talk about the problem, they take it to God and they begin to call it down. And, and, And let me tell you something, if we don't bind it, it ain't bound. If we don't loose it, it ain't released. And so the first level of warfare that every believer battles is the warfare above. If we, don't, if we don't win the warfare above, we'll never win the city. If we, don't, if we don't win the warfare above, we'll never win our schools, we'll never win our neighborhoods, we'll never win our workplaces, we can't take Orange County, we'll never accomplish the missions God set in front of us. Because any city that has powers and principalities dominating over, they're the ones that take the territory. So it's always gonna be a struggle a heavenly struggle. There'll always be that fight. And you and I are called to unseat principalities in heavenly realms. 
And so we start by dethroning them. We start by binding them and casting them down. And that's why I just want to, I want to make this thing. That's why our upcoming elections are so important. And, and, you, and maybe you're thinking right now, well, well uh, you know, I don't believe churches should be involved in politics. Well, I, th- I would say to you, I don't think you're reading your Bible. Because Satan understands powers and principalities seated in high places. And so, yes, we take down the devil, we bind the devil, we bind spirit of wickedness, but the spirit of wickedness plays out in seats of authority, and we're called to take them down. If there's a governor that's operating in darkness and wickedness, as the people of God, we need to unseat that governor and put someone in there that can make choices for God. Somebody should say amen to that. And so that's why the elections in our state, the elections in our county, the elections in our city, they matter. They matter. It matters what kind of governor we have, what kind of mayor we have, what kind of school board we have, what kind of county, county supervisor we have, what kind of sheriff we elect. It's all, it's all important. We, if we want to see a city flourish, we've got to go from the top down. We fight in the heavenlies. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How it is in heaven determines how it is on earth. And so we're not here to coexist with darkness. We're not here to get along with with, with who Satan puts in power and what Satan wants to do in this hour as it is in heaven. We take authority over what wickedness and darkness says and we and we and we take our authority and we unseat wickedness and we prevail in the heavenlies come on we've been given that power somebody shout amen all right the second battle that we all face is the battle the battle within it's the battle within everybody in this room you are fighting a war inside it's a battle within if i'm honest with you and if you're honest with yourself your biggest enemy is your inner me. My biggest enemy is my inner me. And maybe you're thinking, well, well, Pastor Adam, I mean, you've been saved for over 30 years and you've been around the people of God for such a long time. Surely that inner me is much better by now. Well, I've got some news for you today. Yes, I've had, I've had breakthroughs in a number of different areas in my life, but there's still so many areas that I need some work done. There's still so many areas in my life where I have serious work to do, and can I just let you know today, so do you. That's why I'm so grateful for God's people who point those things out. I'm so grateful for God's word. It points out the areas where I'm messed up, where I don't have it all together. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be around a, a people that, that won't allow me to, to, to that, that inner evil, that inner darkness, to win without being confronted. We confront, you're never gonna conquer what you don't confront. And so I know it's easy just, just to kind of fig leaf or cover up or, or hide mask those different areas of our life, but, but here's the thing you need to understand and we need to come to grips with it today. While we're alive, we'll never arrive. And I think if you can just kind of tell yourself today that as long as I'm living, there's gonna be areas in my life that I'm gonna be continually fighting and I'm gonna be working on my inner me. And so I'm grateful for the culture of this church that was started by Pastor Carl and Sister Bonnie. And, And we started this church with transparency. Pastor Carl didn't come in pretending that he had it all together pretending that their marriage was somehow perfect and that if they just, we just do what they do, that somehow our lives would be perfect as well. But we established our ministry on transparency. We established it on transparency. And there's been times where people have said to us, yeah, you're too transparent. You know, you're supposed to show strength. You're, you're, you're the man of God. Like somehow that, that all of a sudden, you know, because I'm the man of God, that, 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 that I, I've, I've bypassed the human struggles associated with the peasants that sit in the building around me. That somehow as the man of God, no longer do I perspire. As a matter of fact, I've, I haven't bought a stick of deodorant in, uh, in 22 years. Ever since I started pastoring and felt the anointing of God come on my life, I don't perspire like the rest of you. And, 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 and matter of fact, there's no smells that come out of my body uh, that aren't pleasant. I roll, up, I roll over in the morning, every morning, and I say, how are you doing, babe? And she says, oh my gosh, what's that smell? Is that the smell of roses? No, it's not. That's the smell of the breath of a man of God in the morning. That's what it is. That, that's not true. I think every one of us, you and I, were trapped in our humanity. Is anybody here today, humans? Humans, anyone, huh? You, are, you and I were trapped, we have a human condition, 
that's constantly in warfare. And we've got two choices. We can either lie about it or we can allow the Holy Spirit, we can lean into the Holy Spirit and what he's showing, showing us. And what I found in my life is that some of the things that I came to Christ with, he took away immediately. But there are a lot of different areas in my life I came to Christ that it didn't just go away. That miraculously, when I turned 18, all of a sudden, as I, as I became an adult, I stopped struggling with, with some of those things. There's a process of transformation that's going to continue throughout my life and yours as well. You have to deal with you. You have to deal with that inner you. And at Elevate Ministries, we love you too much just to pretend at church on Sunday. Just to somehow pretend that we've got it all together, that everything is great, that you never have to deal with those things on the inside. What we realize is those things, those battles, those wars on the inside, those are ceilings to what God wants to do in your life. They, they are robbing you. They're thieves. They're robbing the potential and diluting the destiny that God has for your life. So we intentionally create an atmosphere where you recognize that the devil may not be attacking me out here, but he's doing work right here. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 that as a man thinks, that inner me, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, the external flows from the internal. One of the greatest battles you'll face, one of the greatest battles you'll fight is the warfare within. And it's so important because the battle happening inside affects everything on the outside. Are you hearing me today? The third battle we all face, and the last one we're gonna talk about today, is the battle around. The battle around. There's a battle for control of the atmosphere around you. There's a battle for, the, for control of the atmosphere in your home. There's a battle for control of the atmosphere at your job. There's a battle for control of, of the atmosphere around you because this world wants to penetrate your atmosphere and wants to insert into your atmosphere fear. He wants to insert anxiety. He wants to insert stress and envy and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. That atmosphere of this world wants to invade your spirit. Are you hearing me today? There's a story that I want to talk about, and I'll try to explain it like this. There's a story by, about a prophet. A prophet is a man who speaks the word of the Lord. There's a, there's a story about a prophet by the name of Balaam. And the Bible recognizes Balaam as a false prophet. And, and we would probably remember the story of Balaam because a donkey talked to him, and you guys would, would remember that. But, but Balaam actually prophesied the word of the Lord. And the Bible says he's a false prophet, but the crazy thing is this. None of the prophecies that came out of his mouth were false. Every one of his prophecies actually was right on the money, yet he's known as a false prophet. And so it's kind of an intriguing thing, so I looked into it. And, and one of the commentaries I, sa I, I saw points to a scripture that happens once in, in Numbers 23 and in Numbers 24, all of, all of Balaam's prophecies are recorded. And you, you flip the chapter to the next, you flip the page to the next chapter, and the very next thing you read is that the people, or God's people, began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. And so I thought about that. I was thinking about that. I was reading a, a, a commentary, and what it said was that they pointed to Balaam as being the reason. Stay with me. You've got you to grab a hold of this. It pointed to Balaam as the reason for Israel's harlotry. And so I began to think, like, well, how, how, did, how did that happen? I mean, when you read his prophecies, he, 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 even though he was told to curse Israel, he actually blessed Israel. But, but here's what you notice about Balaam, is he didn't live with God's people. Matter of fact, he spent most of his time around Moab. Moab was the enemy of God. He was coexisting with, with Moab. He became friends with the king of Moab. He was, he was hired by Moab. He was accepting money to curse Israel, and he took the money. 
And so Moab, that surrounding, that battle happening around Balaam, here's a man called by God, anointed by God, had the word of God in his mouth, but Moab, or the spirit of this world, influenced and seduced and manipulated Balaam to the point where he's actually exchanging the word of God for money, which is prostitution. It is harlotry. And then the very next thing that you read is now the people are doing the exact same thing. There's a battle around you. And you can be anointed by God, you can understand the word of God, but if you don't control the atmosphere around you, if you don't wage the war that's happening around you, you'll fall prey to it. You are in similar warfare to Balaam. As a prophet of God, as someone who has the word of God inside of their heart. Listen, Moab or this world wants to entangle you. Moab wants to seduce you. He wants to infiltrate you. And you can know the word of God and yet have Moab pulling the strings to your life. Are you hearing me today? We don't exist with, we don't coexist with darkness. We drive out darkness. You are called to change the atmosphere. You have been chosen to set the atmosphere. Another illustration that we could kind of, kind of, kind of show this is, is Saul. We know Saul was rejected as king. I want you to think about this. You're going to have to think hard. Saul was rejected as king, and when did it start? Well, the reason Saul was rejected as king is because God told him, I want you to completely, I want you to completely annihilate, annihilate the Amalekites. And so Saul thought he knew better. And instead of, an, of, of destroying Amalek, he actually allowed Amalek's king, Agag, to survive. And as a result of that decision, the Spirit of God left him. And now all of a sudden, he's being tormented on the daily by a distressing, vexing, envious spirit every single day. He's so tormented, he's losing his mind. He's literally becoming a, a, a madman. He set his heart against what God was doing at, his, at this time. And so what, what all of a sudden, what, what, what begins to happen is he's so vexed, he's looking for some sort of relief. And so what does he do? He calls David a worshiper. And he asks David to come into his palace, and David would be there. And the Bible said he'd begin to worship the Lord on his harp. And instantaneously, because of what was happening around him, that distressing, vexing, evil spirit would, would leave him. And instead, it would be replaced with peace. And in that moment, God was teaching David the power of controlling the atmosphere. He's walking into an atmosphere filled with angst. There's a man sitting in the same room throwing spears at him. There's a man that wants him killed. There's a demon vexing King Saul. But when David began to come in and began to worship the Lord, all of a sudden the demonic was driven out and instead the peace and the presence of God filled the room. That's why every time we gather together here at Elevate Ministries, we begin to worship. We start every service with worship, and it's not just to fill in some time to allow the latecomers opportunity to get here before we really get started with the preaching. That's not what we're doing. The reason we worship is because many of you, you come into the house of God with all sorts of vexing spirits. You've been surrounded by an atmosphere of darkness and evil and wickedness all week long. Some of you arguing with your spouse on the way to church this morning. You made all kinds of statements, said all kinds of things. This past week, you, I mean, come on, you just think about the battle that you've been, been facing all because of what's going on around you. Threats that you made, words that were exchanged, all kinds of issues that you bring into the house of the Lord. Let me tell you something, we come, when you come into the house of the Lord, we've made the decision at Elevate Ministries, we're gonna reset the atmosphere. We're not gonna allow that vexing spirit to remain in this house. So when you come into this house, all of a sudden we begin to worship the Lord. We begin to sing praise to God. And what happens is that vexing spirit that's burdened you all week long, that, dist that distress that's, that's filled your spirit all week long, all of a sudden as you begin to worship and call upon the name of the Lord, that, that distressing spirit, it cannot stay. 
it must leave. Amen. And so as you begin to worship the Lord, what you're doing is you're setting an atmosphere around you. It's a battle that you have to wage, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of your life. And like David, we've made the decision that we won't let the demonic, evil, wicked forces of this world set the thermostat and the surroundings of our life. We're driving out the demonic. Are you with me today? We're driving out the demonic that's, that's bringing distress and vexation over our city. You know, this Saturday, we're going to go into a neighborhood that is, that, is, that is completely bound by drugs and alcohol. There's marriages and abuse and all kinds of crazy stuff happening in this neighborhood. But let me tell you something. That vexing spirit, when we walk into that neighborhood, it must leave. Because we're not, we're not going to tolerate that atmosphere in our presence. We're going to come into that place with the joy of the Lord. We're going to come in there with the strength of God, with a peace that passes all understanding. And let me tell you something, for one night, on Saturday night, that, 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 that neighborhood won't be controlled by the devil or the demonic because we come with the authority given to us by God. And guess what? We're going to change that thermostat. We're going to change it to freedom. We're going to change it to justice and righteousness and joy and peace and love. And just for a moment, there, that vexation, it has to leave. It has to leave. We're always at war. Every one of us, we're always at war. The believer is always in a battle. The battle above, the battle within, and the battle around. And the reason we're in warfare is because God wants to develop you. The battle's not meant to destroy you. The Holy Spirit is trying to take you forward and lead you into the place he has you to go. And he takes you forward by getting you to make a decision to access the authority that flows from Jesus to us, to increase in your authority. He, God wants to increase your dominion. He wants to increase your influence. He wants to increase your territory. And he does it with the battle above, the battle within, and the battle around every one of you. Come on. How many in a battle right now? I knew this would happen. Three hands went up. Every one of you are in a battle right now. The Lord swore it. From generation to generation. How many in a battle right now? Let me see your hands. Come on. Battle above. Battle within. Some of us, all three. We got all three going on right now. We got the battle above, the battle within, the battle around. Everywhere you look, there's a battle. God sent that to you. You need to thank God for the battle. Don't be surprised when trials and all these things come your way. God, God's producing something in you. God wants to make you productive. Amen. Can we stand to our feet, every person in this room? Maybe we can come to this altar today, every one of us. I know sometimes it's hard. You say, you know what, I'm not going to the front. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm never moving. My feet are in cement. It's not happening. Adam, I don't care. I'm staying right here. I'm not leaving this chair. I'm not going to do it. Mm -mm. That's a battle right now. Win the battle. Get out of your chair. Come on. All the, every one of you guys in the back, come on. I'm talking to you. Get out of your chair. Let's go. We're the church. We're the, we're the family of God. We love each other. Come on down here. Let's pray together. Can we do that? We're all in a battle. Everyone, come on. Come on down here. Come on down here. Yes, this is wonderful. Amazing. You are winning. Come on, Rick. Come on, get down here. Come on. Come on. Right now. You've been given authority. Rick, you've been given authority. You've given authority. Come on. All the way down. All the way down. Come on. All the way down. In Jesus' name. Manny, we need you down here, brother. Come on. Come on down here. Camera people. Just set the camera. Come on down. Lighting. Come on. Let's go down here. If you're back there in the if you're back there in the live stream team, come on out here. We're in a battle. We need to we, we fight together. We fight together. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. Every one of us, we're, we're, we're in a battle, a battle above or abandoned. And so we stand upon your love. Come on, the troubles he's talking about is the battle. The troubles, the troubles. We're all in it. We're all going to have a battle. Every single one of us. Guess what? There's going to be a fight for your marriage. If you want a good marriage, you're going to have to fight for it. Come on, are you with me today? If you want a marriage that you can look back 28 years later, 51 years later, and say, man, I'm so grateful. Guess what? There's going to be a fight. There's going to be some ups and some downs. Carrie, Carrie said yesterday that we've, we've been through some mud puddles, but somehow we get through it laughing. Somehow we get to the other side of that laughing. That, that's, 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 that's the battle that we all are going to face. Anything that you, you want to achieve in your life, anything that God wants to do in your life, it doesn't come without a fight. It's never just going to be handed to you. You've got to grab the authority that comes from God and let God use, use the battle to achieve something inside of you. Can we sing this? 
bridge just one time and then I want to go into a time of prayer. Let's go through some warfare prayer. Some of you, you understand the battle that's going on above you. And you, you can see the battle that's happening within you. And you recognize the battle that's happening around you. We're going to take authority over those battles today. We're going to take authority. Let's sing this, let's sing this bridge and then we're going to pray together. Go ahead, come on. Lead us. Our troubles in the moment are achieving deep within us and eternal glory. So we fix our eyes on everything you promised because you're with us. And I've never seen the righteous ones forsaken or abandoned. So we stand upon your love because our trust sing it in the moment are achieving deep. Come on, sing it out, sing it out, come on. Eternal glory saying So we fix our eyes on everything you promise, cause you with us, and I've never seen the righteous ones forsaken. Or a bad Come on, sing it one more time. So we sing it one more time. Come on. All your trouble. Our troubles in the morning are achieving deep within us and eternal glory. Fix your eyes. Come on. Thank you for everything you promised. Cause you're with us. And I'm there. Come on, lift your hands and say, I've never seen forsaken. Or abandoned, so we stand. Oh, come on, let's begin to pray right now. Come on, begin to pray, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the victory, God. Lord, in every area of our life, in every battle that we face, Lord, we know you've placed it in front of us so that we can take the authority that we have and walk into victory, God. And so we pull down the strongholds of this world, we pull down the principalities, we unseat darkness in heavenly places, Lord. God, we, we stand with a posture of worship, and we recognize the war in the heavenlies, God. We thank you, Lord, that the internal struggles are meant to grow us, God. And so we, we take the authority that we have, and we walk in righteousness. We walk in righteousness. We forgive. We, we, Lord, we, we allow your, your life, God, to lead us into, into growth and righteousness in Jesus' name. Lord, we set the atmosphere in worship. We set the atmosphere. We know the demonic darkness has to flee when we lift up your name. So we lift up your name today. Come on. Our trouble. Sing it out. In our trouble. Sing it. In the moment. Yeah. Our achieving deep within us eternal glory. So we fix our eyes on everything you promised. Because you with us. And I've never seen the righteous ones forsaken or abandoned. So we stand upon your love. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, right now. Come on, right now. Lift your hands all over this room. Let me pray over you today. Thank you, Lord. God, we recognize warfare is not fun. Fighting battles not fun. Sometimes we grow tired in our own flesh trying to do things on our own, trying to fight and win on our own strength, trying to fight and win and willpower. But what we recognize that's, that our victory doesn't come in hand-to-hand -hand combat in the valley, but our victory is won in the spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us authority in spirit, that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. That whatever we loose on this earth is loosed in heaven. Yeah. And so God, we, we, we come against and we take down, Lord, those, we bind those things that seek to hold us captive. Lord, they will hold us captive. They will bind us no more. Instead, we take authority over those things and we bind them. We speak freedom. We loose, Lord, the Spirit of God into our lives. 
Lord, we recognize Satan has tried to hold us down and hold us back. Lord, we, we, we release freedom in our lives today. Freedom to be generous. Freedom to be full of peace. Freedom to walk in health. Freedom to be full of joy. Freedom to live in justice. Freedom to experience liberty. God, we release these things. Lord, you said we loose it on earth. It's loosed in heaven. Lord, we fight in the heavenly right now. We take authority over sin. We take authority over death, over the things in your life. Come on, take authority over it right now. Lord, those spiritual wickedness that would try to grab authority, Lord, we take authority over it. You've given it to us today. And we bind it right now in Jesus' name. We loose it right now in Jesus' name. You said if it's bound on earth, it's bound in heaven. Lord, we, we fight in the heavenly realm. We take it down in Jesus' name. Come on, whatever it is that's holding you back, come on, bind it right now. Loose the opposite into your life right now. Come on, take authority. It's, it's there for you. Take authority. It's there for you right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Those things that fight on the inside, that try to stop us from living the life that you've called us to live, that hold us back in sin, that hold us back in temptation, that hold us back in the ways that we think. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Small-minded thinking. Closed-minded thinking. And we release a spirit of liberality. We release creativity. We release, God, all of the promises that you say in your word. We release them into our lives at this very moment in Jesus' name. And Lord, we set the atmosphere around us. We don't allow the atmosphere to control us. We control the atmosphere by lifting up a shout of praise. Come on, in this room, lift up the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are praised. Jesus, you are almighty. You are all, all full of power. We thank you today. We claim it today. We believe it today. In Jesus' name, come on, lift it up. Sing it. I'm going to see you.
do. Come on, keep that, keep that beat going a little bit. We're gonna, we're gonna believe with Danny. You know, Danny experienced a death in his family. His, his father passed away. And yesterday at prayer meeting, he said, I believe that, that God allowed this to happen so that my family could come back to Christ. That this battle, the reason for it, is God's trying to produce something with it. And so we're going to pray. We're going to believe God right now. Can we do that? Can we stand with, 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 with Danny and Zeal and the whole family? And let's believe that this battle is, is for a reason. We know it is. We know what the battle's for a reason, and we believe that God's bringing the victory. We're gonna see it happen. We're gonna watch it with our own eyes. We're gonna celebrate together when it happens. How many, how many will do that today? Come on, lift your hands right now in Jesus' name. God, we recognize the battle, Lord, the attack of the enemy against this family, Lord, against this, uh, against, against the, uh, the Arianos, all of them, God, and we, we stand with them today. Lord, and we pray right now that you would use this battle, this war, God, to produce salvation in the life of Danny's family, his brothers, his sisters, Lord, and his, his, his nieces, his nephews. Lord, we thank you for salvation that comes, Lord, from this, God. We say, Lord, we believe there's going to be a victory, that you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Lord, that's not just a song that we sing. Lord, it's a it's something we declare with our lives. We believe it. We stand upon it. It's a promise from your word. And so, Lord, we claim it right now. We bind, Lord, the spirit that would try to control this family. And we lose freedom and salvation in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that today, say amen with all of your heart. Say amen. We're going to see a victory. I believe we're going to see a victory. Come on. One last time. A victory. And I'm going to see a victory.